0: following program is brought to you by your friends at podcast one lowe's knows you'll do spring right by saving on what you need to get your garden growing we do it right too with incredible deals during our spring black friday sale like 19 ounce bonnie vegetable and herb plants four for ten dollars and pick up five bags of scott's mulch in store only for just ten dollars whatever's on your list hurry in and save during our spring black friday sale do it right for less start with lowe's Offers valid through 417 will supplies last. Not valid in Alaska or Hawaii. Scott's offer valid in-store only. See store for details. U.S. only.
1: You know, a lot of people are too scared to get in the game. They don't want to get hurt. They don't want to fall. They don't want to lose. But if you don't play in the game, you'll never win.
2: Welcome to the Forbes Under 30 podcast. I'm Steve Goldblum, your host. On this show, we speak with young entrepreneurs and innovators. Today I'm sitting down with Annie Lawless. She's the co-founder of Sucha Juice, an organic cold breast juice company, which to give you a sense of its success, sold a 30% minority stake to Coca-Cola. Now she's turned her expertise in wellness and health into her website, Blonde. It's spelled B-L-A-W-N-D-E. She's also a Forbes under 30 listee. And we should say that she's sitting directly across from me.
1: I am. It's nice to have you here. (laughs) Nice to be here. Thank you for having me.
2: Uh, Let's just start with a description of your business. Tell us, give us a little bit of background of how Suja came to be.
1: Yeah, so I was actually uh, in law school right before we began starting Suja. I had moved to San Diego from Phoenix after graduating undergrad at Arizona State. So I had no business experience, and I moved to law school and quickly realized that I was miserable. I did not want to be a lawyer. I got into, you know, sort of understanding what being an attorney actually entailed versus what I thought it would be when I was, you know, studying philosophy in undergrad and had all these ideas of helping people yeah. and thinking it was...
2: What did you want it to be?
1: Um, I thought that it would be a really great way to advocate for people. I was really into intellectual property. Um, and once I started kind of taking... My courses, I understood that I would be given cases I had no connection to, didn't care about. I would be doing a ton of research for the first, like, you know, five years of my career and just right. kind of being someone's little grunt worker. Yeah. And I realized this just wasn't my passion. So I left law school. Um, I was After about, one year? Uh, yeah, a year. Okay. And I decided I wanted to teach yoga. So I started um, a teacher training, and then I started teaching classes at a California. studio. Yeah, in La Jolla, in San Diego. And so I started teaching classes. And um, all throughout that time period, I was juicing. And I had been juicing probably from, you know, the time I was 12, 13, because I was diagnosed with celiac disease. Mm -hmm. Um, I had really bad eczema all over my body as a child. And it never really went away. And so a pediatrician had done an autoimmune test and diagnosed me with celiac before there was a Whole Foods or any sort of, you know, buzzwords about gluten or gluten-free foods available on the market. So I sort of had to learn about nutrition and kind of figure out how to eat all over again by myself. So um, I became really fascinated with health and wellness, and I started juicing. And I really got obsessed with this guy, Dr. Norman Walker. He had these books That he wrote, and he was really the first uh, pioneer of cold press juicing in like the 30s. And he kind of had this notion that all of these juices and these concoctions and combinations could help cure these diseases like cancers. And I just got really into his books. And he had this strong argument as to why cold pressing was better than juicing with a it's called a centrifugal juicer, which there's a centrifuge that spins around. And he argued that micro amounts of heat and oxygen would draw you know, into the juice and kill a lot of the nutrients. Like vitamin C is extremely light and heat Mm -hmm. sensitive and things like that. So fast forward, I moved to law school, and when I moved to San Diego, I decided the one thing I wanted for my apartment was this cold press juicer called the Norwalk because I had been juicing for so many years, and I loved it. And I thought he was so fascinating, and his name is Norman Walker. So he created the Norwalk Press, which was the first cold press. Got it. So... Not a lot of people have this juicer. It's very difficult to use. It's about 100 pounds. It's this big, ugly metal box. It's
2: 100 pounds? Yeah. Okay.
1: It hasn't been updated since he first created it. So it's just an eyesore, and there's a lot of parts. So I'm teaching class, and I have a green juice, and I'm checking people into the class. And this guy walks in with a green juice in his hand in a glass bottle. And so we strike up conversation, you know, where'd you get that? Because at the time, there weren't a lot of juice places in San Diego. Um, you guys in LA have had them for years. New York's had them for years. Mm-hmm. San Diego, the closest thing we had was like a Jamba Juice. A
2: Jamba Juice. Right. Okay. But that's more like the sugary totally. strawberries. That's like my kind of juicing.
1: Uh, absolutely. Right.
2: Yeah.
1: Right. The average, you know, person when they think yeah. of juice, it's not uh, the, non- the juicer. green The non-juicer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So we struck up conversation. It's like an ice cream. Yeah, it's actually you know has sherbet in it and all these ingredients <laughs> that people don't realize. It's, it's a like glorified cake. dessert. It's having cake, yeah. yeah. So we struck up conversation and realized we had this obsession with health and wellness. He was like a thirty year old guy, and we um, decided to team up and start this little local home delivery service throughout San Diego. And he had already been delivering to a lot of clients throughout San Diego because he had this kind of background in the raw food world, had had a restaurant that closed. I think it was a little bit before, you know, that craze took off in San Diego. Mm -hmm. And so um, through that, we just kind of got this little cult following locally. We would get calls from people. We were going to natural food stores like Whole Foods and some local ones and buying produce off the shelf juicing it, right. you know, in his house, in my apartment. And who we,
2: was this guy? Who was he?
1: His name was Eric, Ethan's, okay. and um, we were just kind of doing this, the two of us, with a, the help of some friends that would juice for us. And so um, that was the beginning of it and kind of how I got into it.
2: Let me ask you basic questions about juicing mm-hmm. from a non-juicer. When you say you're a juicer, what does that mean? Like are you, you, how much juice are you having and is it to the exclusion of other parts of your diet
1: yeah so there's really no rules with juicing um some people like to do a juice cleanse where they exclusively drink juice for a set period of time it can be anywhere from a day to a full week right um we did and do offer those at suja um you know juice cleanses and programs for people that want to do like seven juices a day where you have you know every three hours a juice and then before bed you have a little bit of a heavier juice like a nut milk or something like that yeah um I personally am not a fan of juice cleansing and I just incorporated it into my diet as a way to easily absorb nutrients and get a lot of things that I wasn't eating in my diet. So mm-hmm. when you juice, you know, you can juice an entire head of kale, an entire, you know, bunch of spinach. All these ingredients that to sit and chew through would actually not be able to consume. And juicing also makes the nutrients more bioavailable because there's no fiber, or anything for the body to break down. Right. So all of the nutrition is pressed out, and you just drink it, and it's very easily absorbed into your bloodstream.
2: Okay, let me ask you some other basic questions about juicing. I do a, you know, my dieting and exercise routine is it needs to be enforced okay. like the military. <laughs> okay. You know what I mean? So you need I do a
1: drill sergeant.
2: I can't. I don't have discipline. So I do Barry's boot camp. Uh huh. You know that. Oh yeah, out here in L.A. And I, you know, people yell, run, scream, all but kick you.
1: It's very aggressive.
2: Very aggressive. And then at the end, they have a. They call it the fuel bar, which
1: <laughs> undoes all your work.
2: Yeah, Is that basically? pretty much it. So, and I like. Uh, no, I don't. I have a um, uh, girlfriend, and so she does. I'm not allowed to go to the fuel bar.
1: Okay, so she cuts you off. I she mean, says, you've got "Someone like that in your life."
2: She says, "Have a big glass of water." And tell me if you need the fuel bar after that. Yeah. And you know what? Every time I have it, I don't need it. I have the water.
1: Isn't that interesting? Because you feel like you need something. I need some,
2: but I want it so bad. And now I usually get the skinny PB. It's like, tell me if this is healthy. PB two. Well, it's vanilla. What is it? What do they have? It's almond butter. Uh
1: Uh-huh.
2: A little bit of light peanut butter, if there's such a thing. And, uh, you know, some, yeah, almond milk.
1: Oh, almond milk. How is that? That's not terrible for and you. And a banana. I will say I'm actually not a fan of reduced fat or like light nut really? butters and things because they're just removing oil and putting usually more sugar in there. Right. And I actually follow a high fat diet. So I've, I'm fine with fats. I just don't believe in sugars at all. Oh,
2: no. Okay. So <laughs> walk us through. I love a um, Splenda no
1: no really i think artificial sweeteners are so bad they're chemical ridden and really for me waste equals weight so when your body can't digest something properly because it's not natural it's a chemical ingredient like if you eat an avocado that might be 400 calories but your body knows what to do with that it's like you know something that is recognized it can easily digest it you know and assimilate you know, it and eliminate it. Where was, you eat Splenda, and it's like, yeah, what the hell is this? Yeah. And your body can't fully break it down, so you store it in your tissues. All I was those just going to say byproducts of digestion. I
2: was just going to say, I, I, I wish we were recording this, but we are. <laughs> uh, so I'll be, I'll be fine. And, I, and actually, um, I'll tell Jenny, my girlfriend, about all this, and uh, she'll follow up with you if there's anything. Yeah, if she has uh, we'll, any, we'll
1: go through with a fine tooth comb if she has what any you co- eat on a daily basis. Well, I like
2: a black coffee. Now, That's uh, good. what should I put in there? Just Regular sugar?
1: I typically do um, either black or I do – there's these stevia drops and stevia is actually – from a plant it's completely plant-based and it's a leaf that is mm-hmm. 100 times sweeter than sugar and it does have a really bad aftertaste in hard large quantities but when you mix it into things um and there's a brand called sweet leaf that actually has these flavors that are specifically for coffee so there's a vanilla an english toffee a mocha and you just put one or two drops in your coffee and that really helps kind of sweeten it up without having any sort of like splenda or aspartame kind of okay ingredient
2: it's very helpful.
1: Or just heavy cream. I've noticed I got my husband to start drinking coffee with just half and half. Right. Not heavy cream, half and half. And no sugar. And he was using like two packets when I met him. Really? Like in one cup. Yeah. And he said that it's so like like rich and luxurious feeling. He doesn't really miss the sugar at all anymore.
2: What about carbohydrates? A lot of sugar and carbohydrates. I don't
1: do a lot of grains at all. I really don't do any grains. The main reason is because when I was diagnosed with celiac, there wasn't any gluten free grains available. Like we had Vaughns, you know, we didn't have a Whole Foods. Right, right. So I just didn't ever become attached to those foods growing up. I never ate bread, I never ate cookies. And then in my adult life I thought why start, you know, this just is it seems like an empty calorie part of the diet.
2: Well, let's get back to the business then. Uh, mm-hmm. First of all, what are some juices that you would recommend for me that, as a non juicer?
1: I would probably start with. There's some that can be aggressive that have no apple in them. I would recommend starting with one that has some sweetness to it, mm-hmm. whether it's from apple or beet or carrot, just to ease yourself in. Because if you drink a green juice that's like celery, cucumber, kale, spinach, and parsley, you're that gonna you're not gonna yeah. get into it, and you're gonna think it's disgusting.
2: Right, that's what I would, yeah, that's right. Okay, so get a little apple in there, maybe a little honey. No. Right. No. Just the (laughs) apple. Yeah, just fruit. All right, well, listen, we're uh, baby steps here. You're learning. And we'll be right back after this quick break. The Forbes Under 30 podcast is brought to you by LifeLock. Equifax recently announced a breach of 143 million identities, and you need to take steps to get protection. Be among the millions who trust their identity theft protection to LifeLock. Go to LifeLock.com. Use promo code Forbes for 10% off. Now, you've mentioned Eric. What about um, James?
1: Yeah, so uh, James was really our first investor, and he um, knew Eric. And his wife was really into the juice, and he kind of saw this potential to do something with the brand that could make it, you know, a legit company, not Mm -hmm. just a home delivery service where we were making it, you know, locally for people and delivering it ourselves. In La Jolla? In La Jolla. Okay. So um, he approached uh, Eric and, you know, presented this idea, and then we met with him and really thought that he, um, you know, had the background needed to kind of coach us and teach us you Know what we could do, and he kind of guided the process of making it a bigger thing, getting a space, mm-hmm. growing the brand, getting what, employees. What
2: we I mean, imagine you needed capital in the beginning,
1: we did so he was our first investor, really. Okay. And then, um, he brought in his friend who is now the current CEO, Jeff Church, who, um, was also an investor initially.
2: Well, like when, when did you start getting into stores before?
1: Yeah, it was a while. Um, We – well, not actually. In hindsight, it's a very – it happened very quickly. But we were probably still doing home delivery for about a year, year and a half before Mm -hmm. we started talking to Whole Foods. And we were in a local um, health food store that only has locations in San Diego. But um, Whole Foods was really the game changer for us because obviously their distribution is national. And when we tested out kind of in their SoCal stores in a certain region, um, it did really well and they quickly – Plussed us out into many more locations, and you know, every few months it was more and more until we were national pretty quickly.
2: Right now, you have sold. T- tell us where they, where Sue just gone at because you sold to Coca Cola.
1: Yeah, I'm no longer involved anymore. Um, August of 2015, we sold a uh, minority stake to Coca Cola and 20 um, percent to Goldman Sachs, and I just sort of hit a point where I felt like. I was ready for a new challenge and I wanted to do something that, you know, I had passion for again, like I did Mm -hmm. in the beginning and that I was excited to kind of learn and grow. So I decided it was a really good time for me to step away and kind of switch gears and think about what it was I wanted to really do next and like what projects really excited me.
2: Let me ask you this. Were there dynamics that changed in the business, which is normal, And egos or anything there anything that changed that said, I I, I can't work it like this or I need to I need to head in a different direction.
1: Um, Definitely. I would say, you know, the experience was incredible. And I have so much respect for all of my partners and everyone who was part of the brand and grew the brand. Um, But you definitely once you get all these different personalities involved, you definitely see something that you've created turn into something that you wouldn't necessarily want it to be in that way or you wouldn't want to necessarily stand behind or, you know, certain decisions that you're kind of like, oh, that's not what I would do. And so you kind of start to feel um, disconnected from a brand that you were very connected to.
2: Were you worried that the integrity of the brand would be lost?
1: I don't think that the brand could lose its integrity. I mean, just... The backbone of the brand is, you know, to help people create really healthy products, completely organic. And I thought that we had a really great run together and that it was time for me to kind of step out on my own and do something that I could put my hands on again and feel. The
2: sweat equity and ownership behind. Yeah. What we'll – tell then is Blonde what happened next?
1: Blonde was sort of my interim, and I still do blonde. Blonde is my blog, and it sort of started as just – well, it actually started me posting meals, like what I'd eat in a day, like three meals a day, which I realized people were really fascinated about. And then when I would post pictures, they'd ask me what shoes I was wearing, like if I was doing an overhead shot of my plate, what what my outfit was, what makeup I wear, what's my workouts like. And I realized people are just really curious. So I kind of started doing more lifestyle posting where I had outfit posts – um, what I eat in a day posts, my workout posts, beauty on, posts. Oh, sure. In,
2: I imagine on Instagram you're pretty.
1: On Instagram, active, it's just right? my name, uh, Annie Lawless. Okay.
2: What did you learn? First of all, was it difficult for you to get people interested in your life the way that they were?
1: Annie no, Lawless. no. I think that it was quite easy. Um, I, it actually made me realize that people had been wanting to know more and want did. I didn't have a platform that was my personal. Kind of page. I was with a brand and behind a brand. So once I had my own, yeah, this is my wedding day. I got married a couple weeks ago. That's beautiful. (laughs) Thank you.
2: Oh my, congratulations! Thank you. So this this was from your wedding just a little while ago. We're gonna post all this. I recommend September sixteenth. Going to Annie Lawless on Instagram, and uh, you know you'll be among one (laughs) hundred sixty thousand some odd people that are that are doing this. Um, But that's very cool. Look yeah, at that thank wedding, you. that looks extraordinary.
1: Yeah, we did it in Positano. Um on I've the been Amalfi to Positano yeah. on the Amalfi did you Coast. Love it?
2: I went with my uh my cousin Jordan. It wasn't very romantic, but it was uh I loved it. I it's mean I a we, we rented spot. scooters and went up and
1: the best.
2: Mimicked you know, we tried the our best Italian. You were Italian. Yeah. Felt it. That was the most Italian I've ever felt, for sure.
1: You're, so you have no Italian.
2: I have no Italian. Oh
1: I'm very Italian. Oh are you? Okay. Uh-huh.
2: Now how Difficult. I mean, this, you have a huge followership. You have a huge oh, followers. Followership. Followership. Follow-ship. You have a lot of followers. Um, how did you build that audience?
1: Um, it happened really organically. I would say consistency with my blog and just putting more content out there. You know, people started coming to my blog. I saw my analytics really start to grow. Mm-hmm. They obviously wanted to. On a blog, you know, you can only post so many times. A blog post takes a really long time, I learned. So I was only posting like twice a week, three times a week. But they want another place to see what you're up to on a daily basis. And then things like InstaStory and Snapchat are now there in a big way where that's a huge part of – being an influencer or a blogger, right, um, is sharing day to day tidbits: what you're doing, what you're wearing, what you're eating, and so I think it just kind of grew by my consistency and kind of always pumping out content.
2: Well, you started with nothing, though.
1: Oh yeah. Well, coming from the brand, you know, after I would help. Being, you could
2: use Sujita to kind of.
1: It helped a lot because I know that there were a lot of people that I had written a lot on a, the blog on our website on Suja. I would get a lot of emails from girls. Okay. A lot of, like, personal questions. And so I think that there were people that were excited when I had kind of my own space to, like, right. connect directly with them. So it was – I think a lot of those people came over. And then it just kind of grew from there.
2: Does it ever drive you crazy, though, that you have this thing that you have to feed when you're kind of – because you strike me as like – you know, I'm sure that uh, it's really interesting what what you have to say. But at the same time, you strike me as somewhat of a private person. I am. So how do you reconcile those two things?
1: Um, I am and it's interesting. I talk to my husband about this a lot because there's times where we will be, you know, on a trip or – you know at dinner and he'll say like oh do you need to snap this before i eat it like on his dinner yeah. and things like that so i sometimes just like shut off and i just do unplug right. but for the most part it's such a part of my life and i really enjoy it and i have a really good rapport with all of my followers and like i sit in bed at night for a good hour and go through all my direct messages i try to write back every single comment on mm-hmm. instagram and for me it's really fun to connect so i actually don't mind it um I think that if it did start to feel like a burden and something that was like a constant annoyance on a daily basis that I had to do, it would be different. But I'm really passionate about it.
2: And it has to be authentic. Because the second you start faking it, I mean, like people just go across the street, right?
1: And people know you so well after, you know, following you and seeing your content that you have to – they kind of want to connect. They know – your personality. At now, this what point. is that?
2: They know you, but you don't know them. So, does this ever translate into real life? People coming up and being like, I'm a big fan. I oh, just yeah. wanted you to know.
1: Yeah. It's really interesting because um, I usually, it happens a lot in San Diego, um, but I was in an elevator in Spain, in Barcelona, and I had been out with my husband. We, got back really late from this really fun dinner. We walked the streets, went and got coffee. Yeah. It's like two. And I'm the last thing I'm thinking is I'm going to see anyone. And I'm in an elevator at this hotel called The Arts. And this girl and her husband are in there. And she goes, I'm so sorry to bother you, but I read your blog. I am, like, so obsessed with it. I just want to say hi. Do you mind if I get a picture with you? And then we actually – Kept in touch, so I said, "When you get back to your room, send me a Facebook message, so I like know your info." We can. Right, and so we stayed in touch. And she lives in California, Northern California, so we talk still. So it's very interesting. There you go. Yeah. There you go.
2: And so, what is the financial model of the of the blog and of mm-hmm. the social media presence?
1: Mm-hmm. So typically, um, on my blog, you know, I make money through affiliate links. So when I post things that I'm wearing, there's all these different affiliate networks that you can use, and I use one called Reward Style. And I'm a little bit different than a lot of bloggers out there because I don't do a lot of brand deals. I post clothes that I actually buy myself because I have to like what I'm wearing. Or, right. But if I'm wearing something and I get a bunch of questions, I'll go find it online. Like say say about this dress at Nordstrom. I'll go to Nordstrom.com. Find the dress, use reward style. There's like a little um, toolbar button. You click it, they kind of link you up. um, You're already registered with them. They link it up and give you a unique link that's not Nordstrom.coms backslash, you know, it's reward style, whatever. And it takes them through the affiliate. So I get a commission of, it's a very small percentage, but it adds up, you know, when you grow your content. Um, So I get a small commission if someone bought something through my site
2: and we'll be right back after this quick break The Equifax breach that impacted roughly 143 million consumers just got bigger. They've now added 2.5 million people to that list. If that's not bad enough, Yahoo announced that their 2013 breach impacted all 3 billion user accounts, triple the original estimate. You should know, once your personal information has been exposed, it doesn't just go away. Identity thieves can buy your info on the dark web for months even years after a breach. They can use it to commit crimes in your name, even steal from your 401k. Now is the time to get protection. Sign up for LifeLock today. No one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses But LifeLock can help you see more than if you're just monitoring your credit. Go to LifeLock.com or call 1-800-LIFELOCK. Use promo code Forbes. That's Forbes for 10% off your LifeLock membership. Visit LifeLock.com and save 10% now.
1: Hi, I'm Allie Hilfiger.
2: And I'm Steve Hash.
1: And we're the hosts of Sit-In on Podcast One.
2: Join us as we travel around the world visiting creative people in their homes, studios, and the places they work to discuss their story, process, and basically everything in between.
0: We're sitting down with the biggest names in the world of fashion, art, and music like Tommy Hilfiger, Gigi Hadid, Brian Adams, Martin Lawrence Ballard, and Zana Roberts.
2: Check out new episodes of Sit-In every week exclusively on the Podcast One app, Apple Podcasts, or Podcast One.com. Okay, that's why you're reading. That's why people do this on podcasts all the time. They say go to you know Nordstrom.com slash Forbes. Yeah, 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 right.
1: right. And so um, that's sort of the main way. Um, occasionally I will do brand deals. There's some brands I'm like very, very passionate about that I love that I've already purchased with my own money tons of their products. They'll offer you a flat rate. So they'll find an influencer that they think is aligned with whatever campaign they're doing. Say mm-hmm. say Nordstrom, for example. I've done a few with them. It's doing an activewear campaign. They say we're really pushing, you know, active wear for summer. Um, We would like you to pick five items here, or the like categories that you can pick from, in the brands, so that I can kind of create my own content. I'm not given something, told what to wear, but they just pay you a flat rate. So they'll say, okay, you know, it'll be X amount of dollars for one blog post. You must tag Nordstrom, link Nordstrom, that kind of thing. So Mm -hmm. they'll give you requirements, and you can do it that way. Um, But for the most part, my blog is really not to make money. There's a I would say the majority of the time I don't even really tag my stuff. Um, When I first started it was, but now I'm sort of just kind of having fun with it. It's not really something I'm looking to do as a legitimate business, you know, going into the future. It's just sort of a fun thing for me. And social? Social too. So reward styles linked into social media. So a lot of girls will do something, if you've ever seen a post, it has something called like to know it. Um, and they'll say, "Shop my thing here." So when you like their photo, if you're signed up to Like to Know It, you'll get an email in your inbox with their, their outfit and what they're wearing. And when you click that link, that influencer gets the commission from the sale.
2: Unbelievable! So yeah. all they have to do is like it like to give their information out.
1: Yeah, they have to be registered with Reward Style. But if you wanted, say, you say there was a guy blogger with really good style that you were like, "I want to dress like him." I like it. Yeah, you would go to Rewards. Or you would go to Like to Know which is run by RewardStyle, yeah. just enter your email and your Instagram handle. It will link your Instagram account to your Like to Know It account automatically. And then when you like photos on Instagram that have the Like to Know It link in the caption, you will get an email to Amazing. Yeah.
2: And what about the link in the bio?
1: Um, link in bio, you can do that. That
2: feels kind of outdated now, is it? It's a little
1: outdated, I think. Th- but you can do it where you can just go to reward style. Get a a link for whatever it is that you're trying to sell and pop that in your bio, and you'll get commissions of that too.
2: What link do you put in your bio?
1: Um, My new brand, LawlessBeauty.com. There it is.
2: Okay. Okay, cool. And so when you – where are most of the posts going? Is it just Instagram or is it video? Is it Snapchat, InstaStory? I'm
1: doing mostly Instagram and InstaStory. I've given up on Snapchat. because now that, Well, I love consolidation into one app, and so while Snapchat has way better filters, Mm -hmm. I like – just being – because when InstaStory then rose up, it was like, oh, now I have to – if I'm doing something, now I have to InstaStory it. But then I have to Snapchat the same thing because it's like you're trying to cover all your channels. right? So for me, it's just much easier to go into InstaStory, do it there. For the done. people
2: that don't know, what – what do you, how do you describe InstaStory?
1: InstaStory is a real-time way to either video or photograph without tons of editing. It's not as curated as an actual Instagram post what you're doing real time. So like last night, for example, yeah. I was at a makeup event. I was Insta storying Makeup by Mario talking and then I was writing, you know, little captions about like, oh, I'm good. I'm doing this when I get home and things like that. And then my followers can direct message me based on that insta story and say like oh this is so cool ask him this or what shade is he using so you can have a more real-time rapport
0: right where
1: now instagram has become so curated that you know girls sit and spend 40 minutes just editing a photo to get it up on instagram with the right caption Yeah. yeah
2: so the Insta let's this let's just use this example you're out last night and you're doing something in real time, and you're taking a video mm-hmm. of you doing it, mm-hmm. right? So you're holding the phone up, and or someone's filming you. Yeah. And you put it up, and it's like 15 seconds. Mm-hmm. And you did you write anything on it? Or? Yep. Okay. A lot of
1: times I do. A lot of times I'll write something.
2: On the tech, on the actual photo. Yes. Okay. So
1: like yesterday, we were at the hotel, mm-hmm. and there was a button by the door that said, Make Up Room. Yeah. And it was <laughs> for maid service. But I legitimately thought, oh, this if the, I press this, it's going to turn on all these makeup lights in the bathroom so I can use
2: them. Oh, right. Yeah. So
1: my husband was like, are you kidding? Of course, that's not what it means. It's to make up the room. So like I insta storyed you guys. I just pressed this button and yes. thought. So something like that's not an Instagram post, but an Insta-story can kind of in a much more casual way, real time share funny things that right. happen throughout your day, little stories, stuff like that.
2: It's not archived though, is it?
1: No, it's 24 hours and it disappears. 24
2: hours disappears. So, if people want to comment on that, do they comment on that?
1: Yeah, so on an video? Insta story, you just click reply okay. as it's playing if you want to comment on it, and I'll get it as a DM in my inbox.
2: You know, there's two camps of people listening to this. One is like it's incredibly fascinating. The <laughs> others are like, how do you not know others what like, she's duh, describing? Duh. Yeah, and that's okay. We can live. We can live between those both.
1: It happens so fast. I mean, it take it takes a lot to know to master all these apps. They're happening so quickly and changing right. so quickly. So,
2: so I recently posted a photo where I because I proposed to my girlfriend,
1: mm-hmm, your fiance, my
2: fiance. This is the first time I ever said that.
1: Oh, right here, right now, right
2: here. So, yeah, we should insta story that. No, no, no. But, the, 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 but I did it. I post a photo of us at the sunset. That's beautiful. But I don't think I would want to get into an insta story where I'm like, this doesn't seem like the right bench to do it. This doesn't seem, you know, because no. I could have done something funny at that time. I actually felt it important too, to unplug. It's too
1: special. It, it's such an emotional moment. It's an
2: emotional moment. It, it, that's the most emotional photo I've ever taken.
1: That's wow, interesting.
2: Maybe you're changing. I am. Growing yeah. up. I'm getting juicing. <laughs> I'm working on my juice. I'm going to throw out the Splenda uh, and get the stevia drops. The, um, we were talking about YouTubers mm-hmm. and influencers. Let's talk a little more about how you're using people who are – like what is this phenomenon of people unboxing and, and using and talking about wellness or talking about makeup mm-hmm. that you've seen on YouTube?
1: Yeah, so I actually have a YouTube channel where I would do a number of things. I would talk about health topics, um, makeup tutorials, okay. what's in my beauty bag, that kind of thing.
2: Your own channel?
1: My own channel. Is called Blonde? Um, yeah. If you just actually go to YouTube and search my name, I think that's where it more comes up. Okay. Um, but through that, I got really fascinated with watching YouTubers. Yeah. And so um, in a couple weeks, I'm launching my own beauty brand, and I've, cho- I've totally chosen to use all of my marketing budget to influencers and social media and not really go about it in the traditional way at all. Interesting. Like dads, Okay. So
2: explain, what are you going to
1: do? Um, like I'm working with two YouTubers, for example. So they have been sent the product. They loved it. I'd talk with their managers and figure out how we can incorporate it into a video. Okay. And so you do it that way. Or a lot of my girlfriends are bloggers. So it'll be completely organic. I'm just sending them a bunch of product and telling them to post their experience with it um, how I'm many also,
2: followers how many how many views are we talking and subscribers
1: um so for example my wedding um my five maids of honor four of them are bloggers. well okay. actually no i'm sorry not maids of honor bridesmaids three of them are bloggers yeah. so throughout their posting throughout the entire weekend my posting and then brides Instagram p- posted all of us, which has a million followers. I think my Instagram was up to like two, two and a half million impressions, meaning that that's how many times it popped up in someone's feed. Right. So when you have multiple people posting that have a s- significant following within the same time frame, whether it's a few days or a few weeks about one thing, the amount of impressions one that hashtag. that thing gets um, through hashtag, through tagging, okay. um, tap tagging. So say I send my – which I am doing. I'm sending out these VIP boxes to 50 top influencers. Mm -hmm. So they will get a box that has all the product in it with a little lookbook that explains what each shade is, how it works, the ingredients, the company mission, et cetera. When they open it up – I hope nobody's listening because it's supposed to be a surprise, but – There will be a video. I I hope somebody's listening. (laughs) (laughs) I hope nobody is out there. Um, Yeah. There will be a video that pops up. So the minute they lift it, music starts playing and it's me. And I say like, hi, Sophie, or hi, whoever it is. I'm so excited to share my line with you. So it's kind of a cool little – Okay. And so that's cool enough, they'll be excited enough to get that, that they will turn on their Insta story and be like, wow, look what I just got from this brand. They'll tag the brand and then they'll show the product. So when you have 50 girls with a significant following doing that in the same week, right?
2: They're all making videos, tagging about the brand,
1: it. the brand starts to get some social traction because now people are coming to my page, they're clicking, they want to know what it is, they see this, they're wondering, oh, so and so got this, and so what is that? And so it's an interesting way. And for me, I've noticed my audience has a connection to me. They trust me. When I say that I likes a product or I'm using a product, they know that I'm being right. honest. Where if they're flipping through a magazine and see an ad of a product, there's no connection, like emotional connection right. to Right, they're them.
2: connected to you. Right. Yeah.
1: So I'm going to be going the influencer out because I think that these girls have such strong followings and these their followers trust them. So having them... You know, stand behind a product is way more valuable to me than having it in a paid ad or any other real traditional marketing. Plus,
2: you eliminate third parties and all this regulation. It sounds like you're coming up with the campaign. Yeah, you're selecting these bills. Like you were out last night, you said in L. A. And you you saw some of the YouTubers.
1: Yeah, right. Yeah, and so that's an example of a brand, Laura Mercier. It's a Mm -hmm. big makeup brand. They invited all of these bloggers and influencers to come and we watched this masterclass, but we're all posting about it. This is so cool. Tagging Laura Mercier. And when they have the budget, a brand like that, to throw such a cool event, all of us you know, attendees were posting about it and then we're all mingling. So now – the So people- they know
2: they've invited you and then the impression of the whole event is through the roof.
1: Exactly. So now their brand awareness is much higher because they've gone through all these influencers that reach millions of people.
2: Now are you still posting videos on your YouTube channel?
1: I've I've not posted in quite some time. That's but a lot of work. It's a lot of work but um, – a big part of that was the space that I was posting was my old apartment, and then I got engaged and got married. So now I've got a beauty room at our house. So oh, okay. That For, is going this to is be the
2: production f- room, really.
1: Yeah, this is going to be finished in about a week. So um, I have my lighting and camera. So I'm going to revive the channel.
2: When you do your video, do you have a production crew that you work with, no. or is it, is it just you? It's just me. Really? So you edit all your own videos?
1: No. Um, the editing, I don't know how to do. I'm trying to learn. I want, I'm trying to like, I'm watching YouTube tutorials of Final Cut Pro. Yeah. Um, but there is a husband, wife team in San Diego that is super sweet and I've known them for a long time. And And they'll do it.
2: Okay. So tell me about some of the, the products that you're launching.
1: Yeah. So it's going to be natural makeup and I really feel like there is no sexy, natural makeup out there. It's all packaged, very granola. You have to go to stores like Whole Foods to get it. You don't walk into a a department store to the Chanel counter or NARS counter or Bobby Brown counter and see anything natural next to those prestige brands. But a girl like me, I want that feeling in my makeup. I want beautifully packaged makeup. I want it to feel cool. I want it to be pigmented. I want it to be long-lasting and heavy-duty just the way that conventional makeup is. And I couldn't find any natural makeup that performed that way. And I tried it all. So I decided, I think what had happened in juice and kind of the organic food world In the last, you know, 20 years, before Whole Foods came around, there was really not any sexiness to natural food. There was all these really crunchy granola health food stores. And now with, you know, the way that the trend has gone and the way that people are starting to care more and all the studies that have come out, it's very like cool to go get a green juice and have avocado toast and go to yoga and meditate and it's become a trendy thing. Yeah, right, right, right. And so, um, I mean, especially here in L.A., you know, everyone else around the country eye rolls, but, like, that is – it's really trendy. Mm -hmm. And I think that that has started to happen with skincare. There's been a lot more luxury natural skincare brands come out, but there's been no really good natural makeup brand that actually has beautiful packaging and is at that luxury level that feels luxe and is just as good as those other brands.
2: And so where are you at with finance? Have you raised all the money that you need?
1: I'm actually going to self fund this as long as I possibly really? can. Really? Okay. Yeah.
2: You don't want to – well, you've learned some lessons. Yeah, it no, like.
1: I know. I want to maintain control and I think I will be able to. So.
2: Okay. Great. Well, do you have any advice for entrepreneurs out there that are looking to start their own thing and, and maybe uh, employ some of your marketing technique techniques that you mentioned?
1: Yeah. I definitely would say if you have an idea and you think that it's viable – just start now. Don't don't wait until you're never going to have enough money, you're never going to have enough time, right. you're never going to know. I mean, it's not like I Eric and I started Suja with a business plan. We just did it. You know, we started doing something we loved, it grew organically and you nobody knows what they're doing. So just start.
2: Start by how, start how?
1: In small ways. Every day, what can you do today? What phone calls can you make? You know, if you have a product, why, why aren't you trying to get it in hands? How can you do that? Mm-hmm. You know, start small, like just deliver it locally or right. whatever you can do. Um, additionally, I think in terms of tapping into the whole social and influencer world, it's really important to make sure that you have social media channels as a brand now. If When I get something sent to me from a brand that is pitching for me to do some kind of deal with them on the blog – I go to their Instagram before I even go to their website because that's where I look for the real vibe of the brand. Right. So you need to have all your social channels, a Facebook page, an Instagram page, Twitter. That's so important. Is it
2: really important to have the Facebook and Twitter just as much as Instagram?
1: I don't think it's as important, but I think – I mean it's – especially now Facebook is kind of dying, especially among a younger demographic. But I do think it's important to have a business page so that – and if somebody does use Facebook, I know like my mom's generation uses Facebook way more than Instagram. They can find you there because you're trying to reach people. So if you're available in as many places as you can be on social media, you know that way people can choose their platform that they gravitate towards and they'll be able to find you there.
2: How, how do you figure out how to make the formulas for your uh, for your booty free sorry, how do you figure beauty brand? How do you figure out how to make the formulas for your for your beauty products?
1: Yeah, so I actually work with a lab, and um, it's so funny because I was wondering why has nobody done really good natural makeup? It must be so difficult. Mm-hmm. And I think the real challenge is because a lot of these ingredients aren't known, but they're out there. So, for example, silicone. It's a great ingredient in makeup because it gives that slip and that glide in any lip product. And it also smooths over texture in the skin. So if you put a foundation on it doesn't, you know, cling, it kinda glides over. Okay. But silicone is not natural. Your body can't break it down properly. So when you absorb it through the skin, it's not like you can metabolize silicone. So, there's like a plant based silicone mimic essentially that um, is out there, and it's an ingredient that you can import and whatever. And I think you go to a lot of formulators, go to a lab, and because the lab doesn't say, oh, yeah, you know, because they don't know that ingredient yet. It seems challenging, but really just doing research. I've tested tons of makeup. I've found what I like. I work with the lab where I say I would like this ingredient, this yeah. ingredient, this ingredient. We kind of go through multiple rounds. I test it, I approve the base formula, and then we get into the colors. So I literally just take Pantone books, kind of find shades I want, get samples, and then I say, oh, you know, this needs a touch more pink to okay, it, whatever. Right, right. And it just goes like that. So it's a really collaborative, fun process.
2: What are some lessons learned from Sucha that you're applying now to your brand?
1: Well, I think with natural, I learned that people will ask questions. So you have whatever you put out, you have to know it like the back of your hand. There can be no holes, especially when you're making a natural claim. Um, every single ingredient must be natural. So there's you can't cut corners. You right. can't – A lot of natural brands I found out there on the market have one natural ingredient, but then like five bad ones, but they only promote that one ingredient. Like, oh, we put argan oil in here, but we also have parabens, that, the other. Okay. So um, just being really, really transparent and making sure that we can stand up to any sort of questions from consumers. And where
2: do you think you want to go from here?
1: Um, I want to grow this brand. It's going to be a full makeup line eventually. And I want to grow this brand and ultimately um, sell it.
2: So final question,
1: mm-hmm.
2: as a philosophy major, mm-hmm. who do you lean on? What words of wisdom or any, any any writing that you turn to when you kind of need to unplug and, and uh, keep yourself motivated?
1: Um, I would say actually beyond any like, you know, well-known philosopher, the best advice I ever got that I think about and reflect about a lot and apply to my life is from my husband when we were – Not even dating yet, I don't think. And I was working really, really hard, and I had to cancel something on him. And he said – I was apologizing. And he said, well, it's so much better to be playing in the game of life than sitting on the sidelines. So, like, go do your thing. And I always thought about that. Like, you know, a lot of people are too scared to get in the game. They don't want to get hurt. They don't want to fall. They don't want to lose. But if you don't play in the game, you'll never win. You never have that opportunity to win. You never have that opportunity to learn something if you fall and know how to play differently the next time. So you're kind of stagnant. You're you're just not benched, and that really stuck with me. And I constantly tell myself that when I'm tired or when I'm kind of holding back. Like, is am I crazy? This could be a huge disaster. What am I doing? Or I'm just putting all this money into this, and what if it's a complete right. flop? And then I just well, at least I played in the game. You know, nothing you else. Took a I swing. can tell myself I played in the game. I had a good time. I learned something and I was at least playing and living versus sitting on the sidelines.
2: That's such a great point. It's so true. And if you feel nervous, you're probably doing the right thing.
1: Absolutely. I think, you know, no risk, no reward. So you should always have a little edge to what you're doing and feel a little nervous about it in order to actually know that it's – it's going to be a big deal if it works. I like
2: that. My British friend always says, fortune favors the brave. Oh, I you've always got a good that. British fortune accent. Fortune favors the brave. Yes. She mumbled it once. I said that. I never forgot it. That well, was like six true. years ago. Yeah.
1: Because all the easy things where there's no risk, <laughs> yeah. everyone does it. So it's to true. do the things people won't do, that's what's the harder.
2: All right. Um, Annie, thank you very much.
1: Of course. Thank you for having me.
2: And uh, we'll, I'll be following you okay. on Instagram. <laughs> there we go.
1: Great. Send me messages. I
2: will. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. That's it for this episode of Forbes Under 30. I hope you enjoyed it. If you want to reach out to us with a comment or question, please do so at under30, that's the number 30, at podcastone.com.
1: Hey everyone, it's Caitlin Bristow, host of Off the Vine with Caitlin Bristow. I wanted to tell you guys about my upcoming live AMA. This always makes me nervous when things are live and people can ask me anything, but let's see how it goes. You can check out my exclusive AMA Ask Me Anything on the Podcast One app. Just download the Podcast One app in the App Store or Google Play Now, and then on October 29th at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern, grab a glass of wine and ask me anything. What are you waiting for?
0: Lowe's knows you'll do spring right by saving on what you need to get your garden growing. We do it right, too, with incredible deals during our spring Black Friday sale, like 19-ounce Bonnie vegetable and herb plants, four for $10. And pick up five bags of Scott's Mulch in store only for just $10. Whatever's on your list, hurry in and save during our spring Black Friday sale. Do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 417 while supplies last. Not valid in Alaska or Hawaii. Scott's offer valid in store only. See store for details, U.S. only. I'm Ed Donahue.